Crunch, powered by James, the AI investing app. Of course, this is the place to get your breaking news on the markets, trading ideas, and to eyes bold predictions, which I'm excited to delve into later on this show. Of course, guys, today's date is the 21st of June, 2021, and joining me in the studio, Sydney studio is my co-host, Tui. How are you going this evening? Good, Addison. How are Ready? you? Yeah, I'm going well. Ready for another week of the market crunch. We were away last week, but I, I am happy to be back. Me too. Well, just before we get started, guys, just quickly go over the disclaimer. Uh, the views and opinions expressed here are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of James and James-related entities. Any content provided by our guests, participants, or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. The information given is general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and, where appropriate, seek professional advice from financial advisor. Now underway, Tui. Look, a bit of an interesting week for markets. A little bit of uh, turmoil at the end of the week. You want to digest that a little bit in the US and then, uh, I guess, go on to the, the ASX as well? Yeah, well, ASX had a pretty good week, actually. A modest gain of 0.8%. Um, the fifth week in a row in positive territory. Not bad. Yeah, so it's some good forward momentum in the ASX. But it didn't include the Friday, so that's what we've seen that come through today. Yeah. Market's down a fair bit. But in the US, that's where the story is, Tui. You want to go on to... Let's uh, look at the US. Yeah, we had... Um, Obviously, we had the Fed come out and be quite um, hawkish on yeah. uh, future stimulus. <laughs> so, way to put it. Um, they're now, well, now experts over there are tipping an interest rate rise in 2022. Um, a bit sooner than bit expected. Sooner. Yeah, yeah, 2023, they, now it's going to be a year sooner. So, that's obviously started to spook mm. markets just slightly in equities. But I think we're now starting to see this um, going back again to growth stocks from value. Oh, absolutely. So in November last year, obviously, we had this pivot from growth to value. Values now seems a little bit um, overvalued, I mm. think. And now you're seeing this this trend back to growth stocks. And that's why you sort of seen the NASDAQ really push forward over in the US. Yeah. And it, and it had the um, had a sort of, you know, S&P 500 lost 1.98% last Roughly week. 10%. But the NASDAQ only lost 037 So. Yeah. Um, Quite substantial, though. Yeah, and you're sort of sort of seeing sort of transition back to the status quo, or mm. back to, sorry, not the status quo, back to the pre-COVID, the norm yeah, where yeah. To- tech was sort of growing, um, and then that continued on in Australia as well. Obviously, in Australia, we had tech really pull the ASX 200 up. Mm. Um, oh, AS- Afterpay was Afterpay. up a substantial chunk uh, yeah. last week. You know, we were looking at over 10 percent essentially. So yeah, substantial up. gains. Afterpay 114 dollars. Yeah. Remember we talked about this a few weeks we're ago. Talking about it definitely. Was Very our price target? Uh, uh, yeah, well, it was yeah one thirty, and sort of looking at the uh, the prices, you know, God, it goes as low as eighty one. Yeah, uh, would you believe? And then in the space of only a few weeks, it's now uh, up, you know, f- almost forty dollars of, of that share price. Uh, I think, so. think you bought it eighty two. Oh, look, you? it's it's an interesting one to look at, but I'm a happy boy uh, regardless for now. Yeah, uh, you know, of course, Afterpay is uh, definitely just a very hot space, mm. um, and I think as you said, you know, that it it got smashed from that transition to value. Uh, we, everyone was talking about, you know, you know, and everyone does the high valuations, and then it got to a point, and the same with other buy now pay later companies, uh, Zip as uh, one in particular, you know, and Afterpay performed quite decently now in this transition, mm. back to that growth, which um, you know we kind of sort of looked at, and something that I guess the fund managers as well, um, in a broader sort of sense, have also looked at. So we're pleased, but I guess uh, I get going forward, uh, what where's some other things to look at? I think the thing that's really interesting to it is. Currency. Um, I've been looking at currency a fair bit. The Australian dollar fell to 75. Mm. Um, and after such a strong employment, which we're going to go into, quotation marks there, but, um, you know, pretty interesting there. And, of course, 
when you're sort of looking at U.S. investments. Uh, the Australian U.S. currency is very important to watch. Sort of, do you have any sort of thoughts here? That sort of reason why? Because I, I actually oh, I do. I think we'll save that for save the, that uh, for breaking news. Okay, okay, we'll get <laughs> into that. All right. Well, I guess um, it does relate that. I'm spoiling uh, the content of the show, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to talk a bit more about that um, as well. We saw a bit of sort of again. We went over Nasdaq and sort of tech stocks mm. doing quite well. We also had um, the travel stock uh, travel sector yeah, had a bit Web of upside. Yeah. So Webjet was up six point four percent. Decent corporate travel up five percent. Flights are up five point one percent. Which is remarkable to think we're in another yeah. outbreak in Sydney alone. Um, for, for COVID, and then you have this going again. It's like, what's going on there? You know, I don't know. Seems a bit of a funny yeah. business. Well, interesting that um, well, travel today, Monday, travel got hit pretty hard again. So yeah, it did it's that. still that, that <laughs> yo-yo trade that we've talked about for quite a the while. Stomach. Yep. You know, you've got a bit of stomach, and it's, yeah. still got a, it's still got a long way to go. Like, there's no end in sight of, you know, when what is the target to get vaccinated, when are the borders being opened? Yeah. I think... Um, the states met today with Morrison in their monthly meeting. It's okay. all about the vaccine rollout. I haven't read anything about decent what the administration was. Uh, administered rec, uh, sort of numbers, and we'll keep watching that. Hmm. Um, but just nowhere near everyone else, really. So no, well, it's they. It's been again this sort of complacency <laughs> sort of kept kept in, and and it's not till you get these outbreaks that you start seeing you know the states get a bit more vocal about it. But yeah, they, absolutely. Obviously, they're still trying to press it forward, and it'd be great to sort of you know, get some guidance from the Prime Minister of, you know, when is the target to get to some sort of level that Definitely. borders can start to be open. But um, yeah, so I think markets, you know, markets the last few weeks have been, you know, just quietly chugging along, I think. There hasn't yeah. been quite that much news. They've Fine. been getting excited about inflation, mm. but then I think that's just the go-to sort Such of narrative yeah, it's when some, there's nothing happening. Yeah, like, I don't know. The, when the, it's the media's, uh, I don't know, the last... I know the last bullet to go. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk about markets moved, inflation. Yeah. You know, just throw it out there. But obviously, there's other things. I mean, though, with the stuff with the um, in the US, though, obviously spooked markets a bit, and we actually mm. saw the first substantial movements in quite a long time. To be honest, let's be honest. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, I think that's really interesting. I mean, the the ASX market was down a fair bit, uh, well over a percent today, uh, which you know we'll probably digest as we go into in the next sort of week. But yeah, look, bit of movements there. Only just starting to see some things sort of. Uh, come around but i guess i was uh, um probably just a little bit surprised how much the asx is pulling back today yeah. you know australia's um economic growth is going really really well and we often do follow the u.s but i'm surprised well, at it? how much we've followed the u.s this time it's like, a funny quote it's yeah america sneezes australia gets pneumonia i it's know but there's always there's starting classic. to be some separation especially through covid because mm. australia's gone so well in getting through covid but I was sort of surprised to see how much ASX pulled back with the US news. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just because a lot of positions are bank overweight. Mm. And then, of course, as you've got this pullback from the value and banking, then you've got a bit more transition into the tech stocks. It's going to have this constant cycle. And now that yeah. the value banking stocks, which are very prevalent in the ASX 200, would obviously be cut back a little bit. I'd say, yeah, I think that's probably the reason why we're probably seeing a bit more harsher uh, declines than anticipated, but yeah, look, this is an interesting space, and everyone—I I don't know, Marcus, the ASX 200 is correlated so heavily with the S&P mm. um, that you know it is really interesting to sort of see how those movements go, especially when the US falls and then there's yeah. a little bit of panic uh, in the streets, so to speak, on the domestic front. But I think we're going to cover that a bit more here because you're talking about economy looking strong, but not as strong as uh, as we see. So let's get into the breaking news, Tui. 
Um, and let's talk about job figures. Yeah. Now, this is pretty remarkable. Now, you told me this, uh, you know, we were going through this a little bit um, earlier. I couldn't really believe you or understand what you were un- talking about until you really got deep into it. But hmm. face value looks great. Party time. Getting into a bit deeper, not quite the story. Do you want to get into some Yeah, great, here? great article in the AFR today. I think it was Christopher Joy who penned it. Um, really digesting uh, the jobs data that came out. Obviously, mm. we had a, a bumper um, report for May, 5.07% um, employment. Which is um, fantastic. down from 5.48 in April, and that's yeah. quite a significant move. Um, and but however, at the same time, that's when we saw the currency drop from seventy six point one to seventy five point five, mm. and this is where this confusion started. So when good jobs data comes out, currency gen- yeah, generally yeah, goes currency up. should go well. A- yeah, AUD goes up. The ASEC, uh, sorry, the, the AUD. Yeah, and it's not till you start digesting sort of bit further um, mm. that you sort of you begin to understand why the AUUSD doc, uh, dollar reacted like it did, mm. um, and the main one is. Um, what the unemployment, what they're what they're saying in this article is that um, the unemployment rate doesn't take into account um, foreign jobs or mm. jobs by foreign people pre-COVID levels, mm. and so what's happened is that um, we've gained three hundred thirty-three thousand nine hundred jobs, but however, these are Australians fulfilling foreign jobs. And does so it say how many we l- lost because of the foreigners leaving? Was it? I think it was something around that same figure. Yeah, something so around that same figure. <laughs> so the, f- the jobs employed by that, obviously, students, we're talking about yeah. backpackers that travel, expats that come to Australia yeah, absolutely. to fruit, pl- fruit picking and all these other jobs that they do mm. as part of their visa. We've now slumped to non-resident workers being, you know, 333,900 gone since COVID. Exactly. So these jobs are now being fulfilled by Australia, which is giving this sort of artificial drop in employment. Mm. And then the article goes on to discuss that, you know, if the borders were open and these jobs were being filled by uh, non-resident workers or foreign workers, mm. the employment rate would be 7.5%. Which is insane. Yeah. Like, that is ridiculous. You know, you know, you're looking at 30 40% higher, mm. you know, unemployment numbers just from that, you know. And, yeah, look, it has an impact on markets. So I think, you know, I don't understand. I, you know, this is something that the, the RBA would have, would have known. They would have looked at this. So I feel like on face value they're trying to paint a little bit of a, a really a, a good picture, right? They're trying to, to, mm. to, to make it seem as best as, as, best as they, they can. They are, but he was quite subdued in, in these minutes. He's, he's quite hawkish, right, mm. in the board minutes. So that's when, you know, they're aware of this. Mm. They've, they've put into their notes. But... Um, I don't think <laughs> equity markets have really started oh, to digest no. this as well. Yeah. So, um, obviously, that's why we had you know, a great week last week and mm. we've had five weeks of great weeks. But um, really interesting because now what they're saying is that as borders begin to open, we're going to have higher unemployment. Which is just ridiculous. Because foreign, <laughs> foreign and non-residents yeah, will they'll start take those jobs, those jobs back. And then the people who originally – or the people that have the those Australians, jobs now yeah. won't have those jobs. Exactly right. So – um, Remarkable. And, and that sort of this theory all explains a lot of what's going on in the market at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a really great read. It's it's titled "Jobs Figures Not Quite as Strong as They Seem" in the AFR. Um, if you've got some time, I'd have, probably have a read of it mm. online. Um, but really um, interesting sort of understanding 
what's actually happening behind the curtains as opposed to oh. the frontline figure. Absolutely. Now, it'll be something that we'll be having a look at. And I think the most important thing is all the analysts saying, Aussie dollar's going back to 80 cents, going back to 80 cents. Mm. Now it's gone from 78 you know, to 75.5 and only a few... Uh, you know, a month or so or a few month period. Yeah, but it's substantial. Um, so very interesting to see that, especially with the strong iron price as well. So, well, well, I mean, that's a whole other story. Exactly. Well, but. Bill Evans, um, analyst at Westpac, um, he said that the Australian dollar should be 85 to 90 cents at the moment. 85 um, to 90? And if it wasn't for the RBA's QE program, um, we <laughs> would be at that price. So that's why, you Jeez. know, the QE program that RBA is doing at the moment, which is essentially printing money, mm. is working. Like it's keeping the Aussie dollar low, which is corping out, keeping our exporters exporting. Yeah, yeah. Iron Absolutely. Oil, et cetera, like that. Wow. That's interesting. So Very interesting data there. Yeah. So it was really, I think the RBA minutes are, were a good sort of understanding of what's going on at the moment. And it's actually, uh, I read another article, which it's not here, but the there's, different conflicting views of what the next two years is going to look like. Mm. And the Commonwealth Bank and the RBA are so far apart in what their prediction is. It's it's really interesting that all these banks, have, their views are just so far apart, which mm. we haven't really seen that, Yeah. Um, you know, pre-COVID or COVID. They were very much aligned. But since this COVID and we're, coming, we're recovering, mm. the, the views are really different. It's really hard for markets to digest. That's interesting well. that I hadn't thought about the, the uh, division or mm. the, I guess the, the, the difference between the RBA and... Commonwealth Bank, for example, it will be something to think about, and even just the other banks as well, there's a come to yeah. a consensus. Um, so look, yeah, again, this is the Australian economy is just something that yeah, again, the way they measure it, it's such a strange time that, you know, we're gonna get these numbers and go, hang on a second, that yeah. doesn't sound right, and that's what's happened here. So yeah, I strongly encourage reading more about that. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna watch that uh, currency for sure mm. uh, in the next little while. That's gonna dramatic impacts. Uh, for Aussies investing in uh, international markets, for sure, yep. uh, that I think should be kept under a close eye. Um, and we'll be following that, I think, in the next little while. But going on to the next uh, story. So we're going on to a tech story, mm. we love. Oh, I'm talking about Facebook's crypto launch, uh, which is really significant here. I really like this story. Um, I was looking at it a little bit. But basically, their stablecoin, DM, usually yep. uh, or partially known as, as uh, Libra, Libra. Uh, is looking at getting some approval in the US finally after many years. I mean, they've been talking about this project for quite mm. some time now. Um, you've got some uh, sort of thoughts here, but very interesting to sort of see this space actually come to light. And what sort of do you reckon the implication of these kind of stable coins as opposed to cryptocurrency like, I don't know, a bit more on the fringes, like uh, crypto, uh, sorry, Bitcoin or something, you know, Ethereum, yeah. the, the ones like that? Oh, I think the stable coins have definitely got all the central banks um, a little bit worried, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as opposed do. to the cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so, and that's why you're seeing a lot of lot of discussion, a lot of movement in that yeah. sector at the moment. Um, even the uh, founder of Ethereum, uh, I can't think of his name right now, mm. but you know, he's meet all the central banks are trying to meet with him to obviously get an oh, understanding of that technology as well. Right. So, it's definitely on everyone's radar. And, and the Facebook one was. Um, sort of strange remember two years they two and a half years ago they announced it mm. and then it just sort of fell flat in its feet it never really bit, it never really heard anything they then renamed it to diem um and then it sort of built back up again and i think 
you know, Facebook have been really working hard behind the scenes and oh, we haven't been really being really. updated. Yeah. And that's probably because of the negative stigma sometimes that Facebook gets with this sort of stuff. So oh, they've yeah. probably operated this behind the scenes purposely. Oh, they've, they've been hammered uh, by press and media for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no surprises there at yeah. all. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah. Yeah, move. so... Basically, the DM currency or cryptocurrency will be um, linked back to the US dollar <coughs> and it will only be able to be traded or bought using WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger or Facebook Marketplace. It's insane. So they're essentially trying to get the transaction to happen with this currency within the app. Um, and then that that coin will then be able to be converted to US dollars if you're in the US yeah. and, and Australia. And so what they need to do is get licenses for every currency that they mm. want to convert their coin back to. So the US is going to be the first one to approve the US dollar. Yeah, wow. Um, and they're even saying in here that um, Australia will be approached to obviously use it for AUD. Wow, so um, they, they approached what, the RBA? Yeah, to the regulators wow. here to get approval. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Um, but it's going to be a while till it gets to Australia. It's all going to be focused in the US yeah, at well, the absolutely. moment. There'll be a lot of testing over there um, I, and then they'll move it into other markets. I think the, uh, the thing, and I'll just quickly point out, is that there's some reputable companies that are also a part of this association. You know, you've got, you've got Shopify, Spotify, Uber and Coinbase. You know, that, that, that alone there... Is a huge mar uh, sort of market of the tech sector, hmm. and then furthermore, you've got the other merchant that's going to be the main gateway, PayU. It's got over three hundred thousand merchants, which can make it hmm. ex uh, accessible to the, uh, the cryptocurrency DM overnight. So yeah. this is really substantial. Now you're talking like uh, you know, looking at these numbers. You know that's really substantial. You're basically looking at majority of the merchants in all of the US, hmm. um, or not majority, but a very good chunk. That could have access to this technology for the first time we've really seen. Like, you know, you can buy stuff with Bitcoin, right? But what is the actual, like, I don't know. It's a bit difficult. It really is difficult. And I think it's just because it doesn't have this, um, what is it, institutional backing. Like something like DM is obviously going to get from not only government institutions, but also um, very substantial companies. You know, we looked at Tesla. Mm. They backed Bitcoin momentarily for a short period. Um, and, of course, it backed off now due to environmental risk, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm. Now, looking back at um, something like Diem, it's now got the backing of the other companies that you know, so are very, very sizable all that up. So I think this is a really strong move that I think in the next 6, 12 months could have a huge impact on the crypto market, yeah. um, you know, larger than sort of the other companies. I, I agree, and I think that the big companies will follow. Like, mm. um, they're using PayU, but I think PayPal will get behind it pretty quickly. Yeah, with they, the they were originally... But they've um, moved away, I believe. They'll come back, though. But they, they'll realise they can't deal with themselves <laughs> and they'll come back. I think Peter Thiel's still <laughs> on both boards, isn't he? On Facebook and he, PayPal? Yeah, it probably might be. Yeah, I mean, so gosh, they're, they're pretty interconnected. It's a natural link that yeah. they'll come. Um, and, and, you know, it's got Facebook behind it. So if the US, uh, if it launches successful in the US, Facebook will get scale with this coin pretty oh, quickly. Absolutely. Um, and I think it'll be... Um, you know, be quite popular. I think, you know, Facebook still is the largest social media network mm, with all Instagram. If anyone's going to get a, like this sort of coin out to the masses, it's going to be them mm. using their own platform. Mm. Um, and I think it's going to be successful. Mm. So, um, 
sort of excited to see how this, how this sort of plays yeah. out, and I hope Australia can. Get oh, it too. absolutely! But don't don't hold your breath. <laughs> I know, but this is the transition. Like everything's moving to digital currencies. Mm. You're going to see more about this. Even China's launching one soon, I think. Yeah, they, um, they've they've been talking about that for ages. Though. Yeah. So, and I think you're going to see a lot of central banks launch a digital coin mm. uh, linked back to their core currency. So. There's going to be a lot, a lot of movement in this space over the next, you know, two to three years. Um, I think the companies who sort of get on board with this first mm. uh, will be able to regulate it uh, better. Mm. They'll be able to in, uh, incorporate it into their economies better. Yeah. And I think they're the ones that have a competitive advantage at the end. And I think, you know, Facebook from a private sector will continue to drive that innovation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you say is the impact then on the broader cryptocurrency market, does it take away value from something like Bitcoin? Does it take value away from USD? Where do you think it really derives its value from? Because it's going to be a mix of the two of people transitioning Bitcoin to DM or US dollars to DM. But who do you think will impact the most? Um, oh, I think it's going to probably clear out a lot of these um, crypto assets that shouldn't really be there. So mm, yeah. um, maybe, maybe even uh, Dogecoin. Oh, that's a big call. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think... If these stable coins, I think that they're going to treat them as a currency mm. where Bitcoin is treated as an asset, asset yes. and that's going to be key. And what's going to happen is these stable coins are going to be tra- transacted more freely, mm. more easily, um, and they're going to be easily more counted. So what I mean by that is if you sell Bitcoin, you have to look at CGT and all those sort of things when you dispose of that coin. Mm. But if they uh, list uh, the Facebook's coin um, or these stable coins as a currency... You don't have to worry about the CGT wow, and recording yeah, that. So that exclusive. is yeah. So it's going to be more ease in transactions. Wow. It's be easy for us to facilitate the transaction. And I think the problem with Bitcoin that has always been the problem with Bitcoin is the latency of the transactions. So it takes them about ten minutes per um, blockchain to decipher as part of the mining process. Mm. And so the the biggest issue with Bitcoin was that if you had one Bitcoin, you could transact that several times before that uh, blockchain is mined. Yeah. So you, you could have one blockchain, but you could transact it 10 times. Right. Okay. Now, there's obviously the blockchain network has things that can stop you from doing that, sort of, but not entirely. Yeah. So that's the risk with Bitcoin, that you take a Bitcoin, then he goes and sells that Bitcoin. But when the ledger updates, there's two transactions. So yeah. the stable coin will remove that risk. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think you're going to see more because uh, it's, it's, it's opening up more, tra- it's easier to transact. You're mm. going to see more popularity in that in doing transactions. So you aren't, you're not going to buy that coin as an asset or even though it's a currency, you're not going to buy that and hold that for a long time because at the end of the day, it's pegged to a currency. Yeah. Where uh, Bitcoin is an asset. So yeah. you hold that for a period and of time. It adds so much value because, mm. you know, you're getting rid of this regulatory issues and whatnot and then you it becomes such a whole number market and opens so many more doors that yeah look this is going to be really interesting and mm. our, look i'm expecting backlash markets aren't the governments aren't going to like this it's going to take away um some you know very important things uh and and regulatory so they're going to have to come up with bogus Ooh. laws that will compete especially in australia but if they get the u.s that would be really great. Well, news. it just means central banks need to get their act together yeah. and get their stable coins out. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. best way to counteract yeah. that. 
Because you're not going to be able to regulate this on a global there's no scale. Way they're not going to catch up to this. No. And neither will they get the backing. Because, you know, if, if I'll give you an example, right? So it gets approved in the US, it's pegged to the US dollar. Mm. If Australia doesn't um, approve it and get it pegged to the AUD, you and I will we'll transact in the US. US dollar. Yeah. So there's no. We benefit. won't, and we won't be able to monitor that transaction because it's not linked to our currency. Well, you so heard it here first. That's what. So this <laughs> RBA, is a listen kick, up. <laughs> this is a kick up all central banks. Uh, you know what? That you need to start thinking about this and how they're going to incorporate that in your in your strategy, mm. your economic strategy, because they're here to stay. Um, and it's, instead of trying to push it down the road, which is what they've been doing for the last three or four years. Mm. It's time, as we said, to get really thoughtful people in the room that actually know what they're talking about in yeah, this stuff. A, yeah. And, you know, you and I are not those people, even though we probably talk the talk. <laughs> we just talk the they talk. Need, but, yeah. They need to get some really intelligent people that know this space yeah. and they need to start thinking Real about experts. this on longer term. Yeah, absolutely. Look, an interesting space. We've mm. gone about it for a very long time and, uh, you know, we're going to just continue to watch this. I think it's exciting, though. Uh, we're going to finally have some validity in this space yeah. that... Fantastic. Really, really like that. So keep your eye out on the DM coin in the next little while. It's going to be something to watch as we go over in the next six months. But I see if the, it's just, uh, the US actually approves it. But going on to the next, we've got an awesome story hmm. for electric vehicles. Listen to this. So the New South Wales government is planning to abolish stamp duty on electric cars. Uh, was under, I think, 68,000, yep. which is fantastic. Finally. I mean, hallelujah. Like... Oh, my goodness. The amount of discussion that has been in the community, mm. um, especially in Sydney uh, alone, about uh, charging stations and support here, there's just been nothing in the recent... Yeah. But we have these targets of 50% electric vehicles by, I think, 2030 or, or whatever the numbers are, and net zero emissions by 2050. Mm. Yet nothing has been done in the past. Now we've finally got a fantastic uh, sort of... Uh, strategy in place for electric vehicles. Do you want to go digest this a little bit, uh, go into the numbers to it? I think uh, it's really good, though, to sort of see what we are seeing though, oh, from, from the government. It's great. Um, let's not forget New South Wales is a liberal state. Mm, yeah, so exactly. So we've got a liberal party driving this innovation, or well, not innovation, but leadership. Yeah. You know, there's nothing happening on a federal level. And now the states are going out and doing it on their own, which I think is great. Well, they're a bit more, they're a bit more versatile, the yeah. states. So... You know, but this is very ambitious mm. from a state government and, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting. So $500 million plan. Um, so stamp duty is now exempt for any EVs under $78,000. 78, okay. But if you get an EV under 68000 and you're the, one of the first in of the 25,000 vehicles sold from 1 September, you get an extra $3,000. How lovely is that, eh? Which is Pretty great. grand extra. No and then... Though? Basically, over the next six years, um, or if we get to 30% of new vehicles sold being um, electric vehicles, mm. they'll then bring in a road user charge because obviously they're not getting the fuel excise fee yeah, from yeah. fuel, which obviously that's why we pay more on fuel because there's a tax associated to it. But they're moving in a charge of 2.5 cents per kilometre. Yeah. By 2027, no idea how... You, they're going to actually do that because <laughs> mm-hmm. unless these cars are like secretly reporting back to government how many kilometres are... Yeah. They are, I don't know how they're going to manage that, but that's probably an honesty thing or something oh, like goodness. that. You, you reckon? Oh, oh let's just... 
let's wait a bit and let's sort of see what's going anyway, on. Anyway, that's for them to work out what yeah. they're going to do. <laughs> but the thing that I'm probably excited about is that they're actually now putting more charging stations around that cities, oh. CBDs and so regional areas. Yeah. We were talking about that, right? Yeah. We were talking about how it'd be awesome. You want to go drive down the coast. It's like three charges. You want to go down the yeah. south coast. You know, you're screwed. Well, I'm from a, a town down the south coast near the Victorian border. And the reason I bought an electric vehicle because I actually couldn't get there yeah. on one charge. So um, this infrastructure would be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're incorporating into highways. And now whenever they do new highway funding, mm. they're going to have to have EV stations or things like that. The federal government's spending huge amounts on these highways. Yeah. And there's zero no investment into the charges. It's like, come on. You know, we're supposed to be pushing for this 2030, 20, 30, 50%. Yet nothing's, nothing's being implemented. So this is awesome. Uh, we, we definitely like this, um, you know, going forward. And, and not only that, but we're, we're looking at this also mining. I this know. is a great thing. Oh, I'm so pleased about this because we look at Australia and it's got some of the richest resources of the, mm. the, the stuff that is needed for uh, lithium, you know, sort of lithium batteries and electric vehicles. Lithium cobalt nickel even mm. you know so people go on about how we get renewable energy technology we get electric vehicles there's not going to be any mining there's not going to be anything look they confuse that with coal now yep. coal is going to be transitioned out regardless of what anyone says that has to be transitioned and that's a whole nother topic of debate and that's um, up to the governments to figure out how the hell they do that but the main thing going is that mining is not dead we need mining we right. need resources to build the electric vehicles and on we finally might have some sovereign power when it comes to resources and getting lithium and cobalt. So, look, I actually think this is really great. And if they can find a way that we can actually fund hmm. mining resources in New South Wales, particularly, yeah. to really um, you know, help with this EV boom, I think it's brilliant. And I think the New South Wales government is doing a good job on this space. I think um, it's great. Like, very good to see. Um so they're, they're identifying future mining uh, expansions mm. for New South Wales. Like, imagine if they find big um, areas of cobalt, nickel, and rare earth in the Hunter. The jobs. With, obviously, the coal mining yeah. issue. Like, those people can be transitioned, transitioned to those from jobs. coal into that. And that's how you transition yeah. it. You look at the other resources which are needed. It's like... Here you go. I, 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 honestly, it's, it's unbelievable to think that this discussion has even been having discussed. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't believe that it's such a difficult and touchy subject to talk about coal mining transition mm. and renewable energy transition. And look at the look at the stats. And yep. it's great to see some actual action from a conservative yep. New South Wales government. Brilliant. Really good to see. I think it's great. I think that New South Wales will be a leader, not only in Australia Mm. um, on EVs, but I think globally as well. I think it's a really comprehensive, well-thought-out package, and I think Mm. it's going to improve. Like, you know, for a conservative government, as we said, to introduce this in the budget, regardless what happens in the next 10 years, if Labor get in or Liberal, Mm. these policies are just going to be improved and kept improving. Exactly. You know, we're going to hit this 2050 unofficial 2050 unofficial 2050 zero target, target. Yeah. um and i think the states are now starting to, to sort of show why we have state governments because yeah. there's, there's always been debate you know do we really need state governments when you have federal and council and things yeah. like that but i think this is really showing why we need to have state governments yeah absolutely and and look good to see and yeah. i guess you know definitely one to have a look at but look very soon if you want to go buy an electric vehicle car well now's the time jump in because 
Far out, this is really brilliant. I mean, you get three grand back and it's it's lovely. No mm. stamp duty tax. Oh, fantastic. So I was looking online I'm too, excited. the baseline <laughs> Tesla is like sixty seven thousand. So. Really? Mm. Oh get the wallet out. Get yeah. ready to get on the Tesla. Well, all these Tesla cars are going to drop by $10,000 because of stamp duty. Oh, right, of course. Yeah. I didn't even thought about that. It's huge. Far out. That is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah look, it's, and only in New South Wales as well, which yep. is, you know, a crazy thing. So, look, great space. Well done, New South Wales government. Finally, some good progressive policy. Yep. I like this. I like this. So, we'll keep watching that uh, in the next little while. Look, really good to see. Um, um, you know, and it's exciting. So mm. I, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled and you know, get get the wallet out for the electric vehicles. You know, get ready. When, to when are you them. buying yours? Oh Edison? no idea, bloody hell! Only just you know transitioned a little bit. So right now, I think I'll just enjoy the public yep. transport. But you know what? Let's <laughs> uh, have a look at those electric vehicles in the shorter term. It will be interesting. Now, I guess we'll uh, transition to the last segment of the show. So we're going to bold predictions. Are you yeah. ready for this week? Yep. Here we go. So. Look, I've got a really interesting one, actually, uh, this week to it. I've got some good data. So this is a really interesting thing is everyone is going on about, and it's big fear, right? And the bears are sort of coming out, not the bull, not the lovely bull uh, that we've got here, old Ferdinand here. But basically, right, everyone's sort of predicting this massive speculative bubble and there's so much fear that there's going to be a huge correction in the market. And I've kind of bought into this, Mm. but... For me, there isn't any statistical data other than price to earnings and the Buffett indicator, which is a load of, um, you know, I don't know, ridiculousness when you look at the data. I'll get into it in a second. I've got my numbers here. But essentially, you know, everyone's comparing it to things like the dot-com bubble and everyone's comparing it to other Mm. time periods, which, no, they don't correlate. So recently sort of... One of the big ones, big big names, old big short fella, yeah, uh, Michael Burry, Doctor Michael Burry, he's coming out. He's, he's he's loving the tweeting at the moment. He has sort of in the past, and basically he's come out and said that you know in the greatest speculative bubble of all time. Now this Doctor Michael Burry, I've, I've spoken about him on the show a bit, but those who don't know him, he's the guy, very famous uh, owner of Scion Asset Management in the US, which predicted the 2008 GFC um, made ridiculous amount of cash shorting housing market oh, it's complex mm. uh, if you haven't seen the movie or the book read it the big short brilliant okay uh not a sponsor but anyway going into sort of back to what he's saying he's saying recently only last week and reported by the afr as well that you know biggest speculative bubble it's all going to come crashing down he's so negative he's got a huge short on tesla you know as well um which is really really negative on the market now the thing that he's talking about that the markets aren't going to do too well i think we've got to look at some of the figures mm. um and and let's go into it so just this month the bank of america did a monthly fund manager survey which they do every month and yep. this is really credible data when you're looking at one of the big institutions right um you're looking at cash levels so cash levels of invested fell uh by 3.9 percent uh sorry fell to 3.9 percent which is really substantial and the reason why is that net allocation to equities surged in a month by 7%. Yep. So they've gone from, you know, 50, 54% of uh, overall portfolios being in equities, so 54%. Now it's at 61% average invested. I mean, that's huge. That would be right because there's so much cash sitting on the sidelines yeah. for such a long period. It's now starting to come back into the market. Exactly. But 
That's insane. In one month, in the most recent month of the indicator, you're looking at all the fund managers, like this surveys, all the substantial fund managers in the US, they've gone so bullish. I mean, that, you know, is the highest levels in eight years. Yeah. Like, you know, back in the bullish, you know, period of 2000, uh, you know, in the 12, after the the GFC, that was a huge period for stock markets. Mm. So now that we're back at those levels, I mean, fund managers overall consensus must be super bullish on markets and they are i mean if you look at the buffett indicator now this is one that we're looking at the buffett indicator now what the buffett indicator is is it's the total value of stock markets divided by total gdp of the us right so right now the us stock market is at 2.3 times the size of the us economy now people would look at that and go that's huge buffett said if it's over one that's massively overvalued we're double that and a bit Mm. however what no one's talking about is interest rates Right, yeah. the last time it was at this level and everyone panicked was the dot com bubble. It got to about two hundred percent, and now we're at two hundred and thirty percent. Right, two point three to two, and everyone's like, "Oh wow, you know this is crazy." But you know what the interest rate was in the dot com bubble in the US is six point two five percent. You know what it is today? It's point two five. Yeah. Right. That's the difference. You're looking at a six percent difference in the interest rate. So what does that mean? The value of, or so the the cost of funds is substantially. It's so much cheaper yeah. than before, and that is why the equity market is just ran so much. Plus other things. So much cheap easy. money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But money is cheap, and that is why the fundies like it. And look, we can talk about there's bubbles. There mm. are bubbles. GameStop's a bubble. Blackberries are bubble. Stocks like that, they are bubbles. They're just speculative fun punts, right? But the overall market has actually got a lot of catalysts to keep going. So mm. I'm going to come out against one of my heroes and say, no, I think he's wrong. He's eating into the narrative. He's trying to be the hero again. Yep. I think he's wrong. And there's so much data to go, you know, the market is at a substantial weight and it's got some room to grow. So I think uh, that scare of the biggest correction, biggest bubble mm. ever I think it's a bit of a scare tactic, to be honest, for his short position. So, yeah, yeah coming up against that, I don't know. Do you agree? With I, I agree position? with you. I, I think that um, it's good. Give myself a tick. I think there's still two or three years of cheap money ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the the governments are, n- are not going to turn off the tap anytime soon. And I've yeah. said, I called this already. Remember earlier, a few shows back that we're going to have another good year. Yeah, of oh, yeah, growth you said this that. Year. Yeah. Um, in the high, very it's high just, end. There's just too much cheap money around. Like, yeah. and well, the central banks are, are not going to back it up. Yeah. Like, simple as that. They're just yeah. not. Um, what that means longer term, I'm not sure. You know, they always say you can't have cheap money forever. No, no, you can't. Um, you pay it back. You know, but, I, you know, they're not going to sit here and just go, okay, tap off. <laughs> no more cheap money stimulus. Like, it's going to come back gently. They're going yeah. to monitor that. So, there's, there's still so much um, so much momentum, momentum yeah. in, in equities. Because at the moment, you can't put money in cash because you get nothing for exactly. it. Exactly. 0.25%. Um, where do you move to? That. Property and equities. And yeah. pro- equities particularly have been what Very goes popular. with cheap money. Mm. So that's going to continue and I think markets are continue to be healthy Absolutely. as long as they continue to function. Yeah. And you know what? If the markets stop functioning properly, guess what will happen? Central Bank put more money in. So <laughs> I, I'm very with you on that one, Alison. Yeah. Well, good to hear that and I guess it'll be a space to be watched but like Burry, you know, I, I, I think there needs to be some things for review here but uh, very interesting looking yeah. at that space for sure. Well... So what you want to go on? I I don't really know. What are you talking about? I'm going to continue on what we said about the states. And um, so my prediction is that um, all the states are sort of at different stages in their economic recovery. (laughs) 
Um, but I think New South Wales is probably leading the way. Mm. Um, and if it wasn't for the iron ore boom, WA, um, and being able to successfully leverage off that, mm. New South Wales would be well ahead of WA as mm. well. But I think WA is up there with New South yeah. Wales. But what I think is going to happen now is you're really going to see New South Wales government really start to stretch its legs mm. and leverage its economic mm. position um, going into COVID. New South Wales was the healthiest mm. um, and they've got, you know, the biggest bow that they've got the ability to pull the biggest bow and I think that's why you're seeing a really aggressive EV strategy, mm. $500 million. Mm. You're Five seeing, times larger than Victoria. Yep, you're seeing aggressive oh, moves in trying to remove some of these inefficient taxes like yeah. stamp duty on property as well mm. um, and you're really going to start seeing New South Wales, I believe, in the next two to five years really start to pull away from the states mm. quite substantially because Victoria... They're in pain for the next oh. five, ten years. Do you know Let's they've not had, even get into that. In the last six months, they've had thirty-three thousand people leave the state to come to New South really? Wales. Really, thirty-three thousand? That's wow, huge. So that that's is massive. There's thirty-three thousand people that aren't spending in that economy daily. Yeah, okay? wow. Queensland have been carrying too much debt, and they're still struggling. So mm. Queensland. Um, you know, a, a Queensland, really. <laughs> NT, it goes along. It's not a big economy like Tassie. Yeah. And WA's obviously got mine. Oh, gonna WA could almost be another country. At this but I, I think New South Wales and, you know, WA, but New South Wales will really start pulling ahead of these yeah. states and you're really going to see a different standard of living mm. in New South Wales compared to the other states. Mm. And I think my prediction is that New oh, South that's Wales... That's a big call. Um, and, and, you know, that's what we've had. We've had, we've had stable government... Gladys is being quite Here a progressive leader, you've got to admit. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I don't think Labor are going to come anywhere near the next election. So you're going to no, see more stability in state government. And I really think you're going to start seeing the New South Wales just really push ahead as a state. Yeah, well, look, look interesting. There will, there will be some opposition, I think, mm. uh, and you know, we're going to go into politics, but we did see a bit of resurgence in a bit of the Labor movement. They've got a new leader. Um, that, I think, will spark a little bit. But uh, where's the sort of... I don't how are you going to get rid of the popularity of someone like Gladys? Look, that's another discussion. But I mm. think you, you, you are discussing something that not a lot of people are, are talking about, yeah. is that gap. And I think that will be interesting for markets as well because, you know, we have in Sydney the financial markets, yeah. the, you know, the RBA. There's going to be impacts there as well and even some of the uh, local companies that have significant business mm. in New South Wales. Um, it will be interesting to sort of see how that progresses. Yeah. Um, and look, again, we were just talking about the policy on some like electric cars. Like, wow, we. That's know. like, I would love if the government even spent a quarter of that money. Um, it's when, substantial. When New South Wales is really just going out now. They're putting through policies they know are going to work. Um, I love what they're doing with Service New South Wales and all the digitalization of that. Mm. Um, things are just getting really efficient and that's what's going to be better. There's going to be less red tape for us because we live in New South Wales, yeah, obviously, yeah. compared to other states. And they're really getting efficient and they're really getting onto it. And that's why I think New South Wales is, is, is going to really start pushing ahead of the other states and it's going to be noticeable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I quite like that one. Yep. I'm, I'm a little bit touchy-touchy on some of the things, um, <laughs> especially... Opposition, but we'll go into that, you know, much at a later date. But look, definitely agree. Um, I think, and as a New South Welshman, uh, definitely, definitely very, uh, what is it? Great state to be in. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. No, definitely very biased. Uh, but yeah, definitely some great signs there. Yeah. Um, I mean, even just look at this COVID outbreak as one, mm. as a starter. So yeah, look, very interesting to see, sort of see 
the uh, the New South Wales economy. Uh, I guess we'll watch that. Uh, there are some great reporting reports on uh, state economic factors. Mm. So we'll watch that. But yeah, look, uh, I really like that uh, prediction. Actually, I'm a I'm, I'm a fan. You're so a fan. I'll get behind it. I'll give All you my right. support. So look, I guess that will wrap up yeah. the show for another week. You know, we're almost at what was it four months of market crunch. I know. Four months. Fifteen episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. Thank you for yeah. joining uh, in on the ride. Of course. Thank you, Dinesh, for being here tonight. Really appreciate your time. If you've got some time tomorrow, we're doing our Ask James fantastic live demonstrations of the James uh, AI investing app. I'll be there. So tune in 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Really great to sort of learn how it all works, how the broker connection is set up. Fantastic. I'll uh, save it for 6 p.m. tomorrow. Of course, you can listen to this podcast uh, sort of live here on Facebook and YouTube. But also we uh, record to Spotify, Apple, you know, all the big names, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts and all that. So, so, so find us on there. But we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much for tuning nice. in, guys, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.